This is Ivarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 20% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME9. Working as a photojournalist has always been a challenging profession. It's especially the case now with newspapers and magazines being consolidated by fewer and fewer media companies. So when you make the choice to be this kind of visual storyteller, you have to have both passion and a certain tenacity. These are two things that our guest today, James Carbone, has. It's nice to know that there are photographers like him who are still willing to use their camera in this very special way. Thanks well, for inviting me. Well, thanks for, for agreeing on the show. Mary yes. Ellen spoke very highly of you. And... Uh, I'm honored. Yeah, and She's uh, great. and I, you know, I saw your work, and then I had ta- Walt had talked to me about you a couple of times. Really? Yeah, yeah. So Walt too. Huh? Yeah. So yeah. I got. So, yeah, I'm lucky to have some mentors like those too. I mean, they've been very much part of my life, my photography life, and my, you know, my personal life too. But yeah, as mentors, I, I couldn't ask for two better photographers. You know, that, that's so important is to have that. Support. I, I think about the people in my life who supported my my photography, and I, I've had different people at different stages in my life who like, you know, really encouraged me. And I realize not everybody has that, right? And that's so that's so important, and it becomes so valuable because it's not just about oh your images are good, but they really start allowing they, they they allow you to learn how to question your own work, what you're doing, what's working, what's not working. Exactly. Um, who was the first person? for you that, that, that kind of served that role? I mean, I would say, you know, it had to be Mary Ellen. Yeah. Know, Mary Ellen Mark. She was, the, she was the first one that really got me to really work hard at what I'm doing as a photographer. I've had other photographer friends that are more likely my age, but in that kind of, we worked with one another. But you know, when I first worked with Mary Ellen, you know, I was really, really inspired. The inspiration that I wanted to, to have mm-hmm. to be a photographer I was looking for that. And then when I met Mary Ellen, took her workshop, you know, I was just, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. And this is how hard I want to work. Because Mary Ellen, she works really, really hard. And I was willing to put work really hard myself to really put everything into it, to try to work yeah. as a photographer, to make money, you know, to do it. You know, it's there's one, there's one part of it just traveling around and taking pictures, which is great. But there's another part of where you're really actually working for publications and you really have to put in your what you've learned. You have mm-hmm. to use your tools, your skills in your photography. So Marilyn Marcus definitely has been my first my first mentor. So how long had you been shooting before you took the workshop with her? Well, um, I took the workshop in 2000 and I was 30, I believe, more or less at that time. But I started shooting in, a, in my 20s. My father was a photographer and he, he really showed me a lot about photography in the sense of uh, learning like how to process your own film and print. So he definitely was part of my life as a photographer and he showed me that. And I, what I did is that my friends, a lot of my friends were musicians and there were mm-hmm. bands during the nineties. So I would 
get my camera, my father's camera, borrow my father's camera, and I would go out and take pictures of them live and stuff like that. And they would use it for different publications and LA Weekly and stuff like that. During the 90s, this was like, say, like, you know, 94, 95, 96. That's when I started Hmm. taking pictures. But I still didn't have, and I, in college too, um, I had a couple courses in photography at uh, Pasadena City College and at Cal State LA in journalism. But I still didn't feel confident enough in myself as a photographer. I felt that I needed more okay. to learn a lot more. I just because I can see other people's work, see it. I go, oh my god, I, yeah. I could. That's amazing work, and my work was still just not as good. I didn't feel as confident. So that's when I took Mary Ellen's workshop because I, I was hoping that was you know, that's what was needing that that little bit of push. You well, you, you mentioned that she made you work harder. So what exactly does 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 that does that mean? I guess in the sense that taking going again and again, picking a subject and going repeatedly over and over again, taking you know shots day after day of the same type of subject, okay. know, and following that, and but taking you know working all you know working for hours and taking portraits, not just showing up, talking to the guests or mm-hmm. people, you know, your subjects and taking some pictures and then leave, you know, she, I, you know, she really wanted you to, you know, she could tell when she was editing my contacts, she can tell how hard you were working, but yeah. how much you're, you're putting into it. And she would give me, she would critique my work and she would give me advice. And I would go out there again, be like again and again. And the workshop was for 10 days. So it was the first time I felt like, wow, this is, you know, I was going again day after day after day that, um, and I go, this is what I like, you know, I like working this hard because in the end, the pictures were really good. I was happy with them. Was that the sort of first time that you really got that sense of confidence in terms of not only can you, not only can I do this, but I can really produce good work. Was that sort of the sort of the catalyst for feeling that sense of absolutely? I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to create beautiful images. I wanted to have images like Marilyn Mark and these other photographers that. Just that this, this live forever, you know. Just mm-hmm. you can tell they're just so powerful and strong. I want to try to create images like that. That's what I want. So, just, so tell me about you focused on a particular subject. So, this first time, what did you end up finding? You had to find a subject on your own, right? Is that the way it worked? Or? Well, um, Mary Ellen, actually, well, I, the first time I took Mary Ellen's workshop, I just kind of just wandered through the streets and did like street photography mm-hmm. and um, little portraits on the streets and stuff like that. But I ended up taking Marilyn's class again, and when I took it again, I the next year you know, I asked her, you know, I wanted, I was kind of interested in following a family, and she introduced me to the Lopez family in 2001, and that's when I first met them and started my project that today is I worked for 13 years on, wow, going every year, following them and photographing them and just you know living our lives together you know them growing as a family me growing as a photographer it was it was it's been it's been exciting well that's that's 13 years that's really intimate yeah i can't believe it myself you know just it just went so quickly it's like wow i can't believe you know it's been 13 years that i've been working on this project it's time really flies you know you really need to go for it because time will go you know what i mean and all of a sudden if you don't take advantage of your time and just trying to produce great pictures, you know, I think you'll, you know, they're probably, you know, it's just, it's just important. What, to, so to what's do. the, what's the story? What's the through line? Cause it's one thing to make nice looking photographs, but 
you know, you're following a family for 13 years. When you take a look at it in terms of the story that you're telling, what, what, what's the heart of it for you? Um, that's a good question. Well, I feel the story is the family, they all work in a garbage dump in Oaxaca City, and they scavenge through the trash for recyclables. I found that interesting. As a, I thought that you know that would be my story, you know, it was just them working in the dump. But I think it changed, and um, after years of working and seeing my pictures, and I think the story is more, much more simpler, of just like a family learning to survive in you know in our world, in Mexico, you know, in our world, and you know by working together as a family and being one as a family and supporting each other. And um, I think that's it. And I think what I try to capture is, you know, just like the beauty of, of like family and you know, kinship and working hard. And I think it's just really more of a really simple, minimal type of story. It's nothing really too, too out there. But, you know, the story, too, as I just think one thing also is that I like to photograph them as the things that they found in the garbage dump through the years and you know, mm-hmm. toys or TVs or, you know, it's just because they, they have telephones, they find an array of stuff there. You know, it's almost like an archeological type of uh, experience for both of us. So like what they find. And I try to incorporate that with my pictures. You know, when you're first doing something like that, I can imagine that you're probably like shooting everything. Right. And then after a while, you become a little more thoughtful in terms of what you've photographed. Tell me about that journey. Especially, especially after that long a period of time, how have you sort of evolved in terms of what you choose to shoot? Because I'm sure that after a while, you could repeat the same images over and over again, which you want to avoid. Because what's the point of having, even though it, there are you know big gaps in time, you, you don't want to just get into a rut. So how do you sort of keep that, keep that edge to your work so that you're making good photographs that tell a story, but that aren't, aren't repetitive? Exactly. Um, well, when I first started, you're right, I would take pictures of everything, you know, just everything, you know, was just, just going, just, and it was a little too much. And that's, this is where Mary Ellen would come in and working hard, you know, she would help me try to find that path. I just instinctively would just try to create, just tr- create just unique images and not try to repeat myself by, I guess, by realizing that I'm repeating myself too, you know, um, having, you know, someone edit your work, you can see where you're repeating yourself. I would just, when I'm out there, maybe like five years ago, I would say, oh, I'm taking the same picture again, you know, mm-hmm. them walking through the dump or them putting trash and, you know, in the dumpster or whatever, them cooking. And I go, I just want to not do that at all. So I would not take that picture and I would just wait. I would wait for something to mm. happen and I would, it would catch my eye and I go, wow, that's something I haven't seen before. And I would just snap at it, just go for it. And um, sometimes it, would as, it wasn't successful. You know, there would be days that it wasn't that great, you know, because it wasn't really, I mean, I, I shot, you know, it was just that's the way it is in photography. It can be, you know, sometimes it's really great and sometimes it's not. Yeah. So I would just instinctively just trying to look for things that are, that I felt that were unique. Yeah, I don't. I don't do too many uh, long, long-term stories like like that. Okay. But that same experience I experience with with the work that I do on the street because there, there's a lot of stuff that I've shot before, and I find myself shooting those images over and over again. 
not because because they're good images, but they're easy. And after a while, I was like, I don't want to make these easy pictures. And what happened is that, like you, it was the process of learning how to wait. That sometimes you you don't just keep shooting. You just have the camera ready at your side and you just observe and you just look and you just wait for the convergence of all those different elements of light or shape, gesture, you know, all those things. All of a sudden you sort of see them coming together and you get ready to make the shot. And I think that that's, for me, that's an important phase for any photographer to get to. Because like you said, when you're first shooting something or when you're first shooting period, you're just shooting and shooting and shooting, hoping that you get something good. And that's what makes the difference between the average photographer and people like Mary Ellen Mark or Pete Turnley or Gordon Parks is that they knew how to just to sit back and observe and anticipate that key moment, that special moment happening and making that making the photograph. Exactly. Uh, so you work day to day as a as a photojournalist here in Los Angeles. So you you don't have the privilege of being able to spend lengthy amounts of time with with your subject matter. Sometimes you only have minutes. So how do you take all that knowledge and all that experience that you've learned from documenting this family for as long as you have and use that when you only have that finite of time to be able to create a picture? Because you can't necessarily wait. You don't have the leisure of waiting, but that I suspect that, that that skill of observation is still still helping you. Absolutely. That's a very good question. Um, when I don't have a lot of time, you know, I just tra- take control of the situation, you know, and I go in there and I look for things like, let's say if I'm doing a portrait of someone, you know, and, you know, only have five, ten minutes sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. like they have to go or, and I'll just look at the, I'll just try to instantly read what's going on, you know, what's there in their place, where the light's coming from, and I will just go for it. You know, I really try to work on my instincts and how I feel when I'm, when the subject's in front of me, you know, I have the camera in my hand, you know, I'm just using all everything I've learned and trusting it to help me make good pictures, you know, like it's there. I'm just, I'm just, and, and I just regurgitate it. Yeah. Can you give me a specific example uh, recently that, that you felt like all that stuff was gelling? I guess, like, for instance, like, um, if I work in, like, an account, like, at a fair, okay, mm-hmm. you know, where there's a lot of people, you know, um, I definitely like to, you know, and I only have a few minutes, and they went, you know, you got to take some pictures of the, of the fair, and we need it, you know, because it's opening and stuff like that. You know, I will just do what I did, like, in Oaxaca. I'll stand in one place, wait for people walking a certain way, try to find, you know, like, a background or something that's interesting. Yeah. And look for the light, which is really great. And I'll just try to wait for something to to look interesting. People carrying something, or you know, and I'll just I'll just go for it, you know. And um, a lot of times, you know, I feel really good, that, you know, what I what I have, you know. And, the, and so yeah, I just kind of do that. And portraits too. I take a lot of portraits for the paper, and um, you know, I like to, even though I don't have a lot of time, you know, with the, my subject, I like to at least talk with them for at least yeah. a couple minutes. Just say hello, because get, people get really nervous. So I just kind of use, you know, what I've also observed with Mary Ellen, you know, because I assisted her sometimes and other photographers too, and what they do and how delicate they can be. And, and then as soon as you got them ready, you know, you just kind of attack. Yeah. You know, like, you just go, you know, just, you know, you just go for it, you know. And so it's, 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 it's about paying attention to the setting sometimes. Yes. It's, it's, 
it's the stage. Right. Paying as much attention to the stage as you are the subjects themselves. Right. Because it's often the, the, the background, the foreground, all those different elements that really make some of those great, fantastic, iconic shots. And then that subject is sort of the, the finishing finishing touch. I mean, the subject itself is always important, and that's what people sort of remember. But when you look at those those images where you just, they're like seared into our collective conscience, it's it's the whole thing that comes together. And, and I think some of the best photographers are able to see in that way. And that's what makes those images images great. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so tell me what your sort of day is. I mean, you, you, are you are you given sort of an assignment uh, sheet of, okay, you got to hit these locations today? Or, or how does that work for well, you? Well, you know, a lot of people ask me this because I'm a freelance photographer in Los Angeles. And they go, how does it work? Do you, do you just go? Do you show up? I usually don't, you know, roam the streets looking for assignments unless something happens. If there's something like kind of, um, you know, something, a fire, mm-hmm. for instance, you know, that's, you know, just takes place in the mountains or something, I will go and I'll shoot it and I will call my paper and tell them, you know, I'm here. But every, the night, the day before, a couple of days before, the editors will call me and they will arrange an assignment for me to go to. And it's all arranged already and the people are expecting me to be, the, to show up. And um, so they'll just tell me, you know, I have to be in you know, Baldwin Park at one and then, you know, in Pasadena at six, you know, and, I, and it'll be, you know, depending on the assignment, you know, it could be, you know, if, you know, from a portrait to Pasadena City Council meeting. Okay. So, and they'll just tell me, you know, what time and I'll just kind of just show up and I take the pictures and I rush back home and upload them and just turn them in and, and that day is pretty much done and they'll call me again and it's every day is pretty much like that. Do you, um, when, when the big events happen, um, like, you know, they have the recent fires. I don't know if you, uh, well, the this, silver this, fire, did you, what, what was that this year? Uh, it's happening now. Oh no, 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 I didn't. Sh- I, I, yeah, right. I didn't shoot that. Okay. No. But do you, he, did you photograph the Altadena fire? I did. It was called the station fire. Yeah. Remember? The station yes. fire. Right. Yes. So I was there and like for that, you know, that was so big, you know, and then when something like that happens, you know, there's everyone's scrambling in the papers. Right. So I just don't have to really, you know, I don't even really need to talk to them. I'll just go up there and just, cause I know they're going to, the sooner you get up there and as soon as you start taking pictures, the sooner you can come back. And you can turn them in yeah. and the paper can use them. That's what we're looking for. And then you can go back up or, you know what I mean? And they'll have other photographers coming. But um, I did cover that and it, w- it was really intense too. Yeah, so, but how do you know where to go? I mean, that fire was so huge. You know, there was, there were firefighters everywhere. There were, where do you start? I mean, do you sort of listen to the uh, the police radios and the uh, emergency radios and sort of determine, okay, this is a good location to go. And how, how does that work? I do, you know, I, you know, I listen to a scanner. You know, I have a scanner, I listen to that. But a lot of times, you know, it's kind of difficult, you know, to, you have to like, I use that in the car, you know, you know, I don't always have that, but when something like this happens, I take it with me. Mm-hmm. But I listen to the the news. The news is pretty quick, like the radio news. And they will have like, there's a fire on something street, Altadena Avenue, you know, and, you know, so I'll just go up there. And um, I know this area quite well. So I'll just kind of just follow the trucks where things are going. And I'll, sometimes it takes me some time to find it. Yeah. But eventually I do. And that's, you know, what I, that's what I mean. Like, I just go up there. You know, I don't want to really wait. I'll just kind of listen to what's going on and get some reading, take the scanner with me. And I just head up there and just, you know, look for it and um, um, just start shooting. So you know? how does it work in terms of working with, you know, the emergency crews? Because you, you can't get in their way. 
Right. And it's and like you said, things are so crazy yeah. and things are changing so fast. Right. So what's what's that sort of dance like? Do you do you sort of instinctively know already, okay, this is this is the way I have to do things or or do you have to sort of customize your approach depending on the situation? That's, that's a good question. And that's a really important question because you know, you have to be really careful, you know, because um you know, it's dangerous and you don't want to get in the firefighter's way. You yeah. know, and um you don't want to, I try my best to stay out of their way, but you know, I have a press pass and I also have bought, uh, I bought, um, the fire gear, you know, the yellow mm-hmm. fire resistant clothing. So I'll put that on I have a helmet, you know, I get really ready. So they see me already that I know that how you should act and yeah. be. And a lot of times they just let me be, you know, I just stay out of the way, you know, enough, you know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt myself. You know, I feel, you know, I tell this to other people when they ask me about, you know, riots and stuff like that. You know, it's not really worth it getting hurt for, I believe. I don't want to get hurt at all to mm-hmm. take a picture. I mean, my life is, you know, I want to be healthy uh, because it's, you know, the picture might not even be used anyway. You have, you know, so, you know, really, you're going to you're gonna break, <laughs> yeah. you're going to get caught on fire and, you know, and then you're going to get caught on fire and then they're not going to be able to use any pictures because you're going to be in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Or you're beaten up, you know, by police, you know, downtown LA, you know, when you're in their way or something. I don't want to get hit by, you know, Billy Club to take a picture. If they don't want me in there, if I can't get there, you know, if they don't let me to be there, you know what I mean? I'll just use a longer lens or I'll just do what I can quickly and and get out of people's way. I don't want to uh, be involved in anything that's going to jeopardize these people that are trying to, take, you know, help. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace. If you visit the candidframe.com website, you'll see that I've made the complete switch to Squarespace, which now is the home to thecandidframe.com as well as my own portfolio site. It's been something I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I was always intimidated by the time and effort involved in learning to design a website from scratch. Thankfully, Squarespace has made it easy for me to transition to a clean, beautiful and flexible website design that can grow along with the show. Visit thecandidframe.com and then try it for yourself. You can begin your trial today and remember that no credit card is needed. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME9 and get 20% off and also show your support for the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Well, here it's it's sort of pre- predictable. Predictable is probably not the right word, but you know, there's a certain protocol that you can understand. But you you did some work in Afghanistan, which is like, <laughs> you right. know, all bets are off right. there. So right. they don't care what press pass or what you're wearing or anything. Yeah, it's and there's very no, intense. And there's no training. I mean, people, there's no training. You just kind of go out there with your camera, and then you go out and find your shots and try not to get killed. Right. So you know, when you went there. Um, tell me about about that experience because every photographer that goes out there who's never covered conflict is going out really green. Right. It was very intense, and I was very nervous um, when I first 
stepped in the Kabul airport. You know, mm. I can tell, you know, it was intense immediately. And, you know, I try to dress a certain way again, you know what I mean? Just try to be really blend in, you know, wear a scarf and, and just try to stay out of people's way and not be so um, American in the sense that, you know, or I can't say that, or just, you know, I don't want to draw a lot of attention to myself. Right. That's what I mean to say. And that's a big deal, especially in a place like Kabul. You don't want to draw any attention to yourself whatsoever because they will... They'll come to you. They can. They'll come to you immediately. Anyway, you know what I mean. Like you're walking down the street, and kids are gonna. People mm. are you're, you. They know you're not from you know Afghanistan, so you have a lot of attention to yourself. So, you know, I just did my best to not get killed. And um, what I would do though is that um, we stayed in a in a house in Kabul, like outside of the city, in a like a you know that was rented by a lot of um, journalists and uh, humanitarians. They were they stayed there and, and they and, and um, that would be like the, the the office or the meeting place and we we stayed there. But I, what I would do though is I would wake up really early in the morning, you know, just crack of dawn, and I couldn't sleep anyway because I was just so excited to be there. And and I would then I would roam the streets and I would take pictures um, on my own because mm-hmm. other than like during the day we had like guards with us and. I would just, you know, I felt in the, I feel in the morning, the bad guys or people who were going to, they're not going to be up at six <laughs> o'clock in the morning. They're, uh-huh. they, those kind of guys, usually people, they sleep in, you know, I'd be, I'm more nervous towards the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, when people are been drinking or whatever, that's when it gets dangerous. But in the morning, you know, it's quiet and you got, you know, people are just getting, going to work and the light's really beautiful. So I would do, I spent a lot of time, I would, I would wake up every morning and just roam the streets like I would do in Oaxaca, and I would just do my best to take pictures, and um, but um, it was pretty, it was intense. So, what kind of pictures and stories were you looking for? Because you're, you, you know, you get out there, and your living is based on being able to have images that people can can use. So, while the the light and everything else in the morning is obviously beautiful, uh, there's a story to be told. So, right. How how did that fit well, into the mix? Those, that's a good question. Those pictures I would wake up early would be like more for me. I went okay. there. We photographed um, this gentleman from Pasadena, Los Angeles area. That um, he was a taste a taster, I guess, for Nestle, the company. Yeah. And he quit his job to try to help malnutrition people, children in particular, in Kabul. Um, by growing soybeans there, producing non-bread out of soybeans so they can get protein because they were protein deficient. Yeah. And that's what caused malnutrition. So I went there with a reporter from Passing Star News named Marshall Allen who invited me to go cover this gentleman that's traveling to Kabul, to Afghanistan, to help the malnutrition people. So we did that story. I did that story. Okay. which was taking pictures of him in Kabul and taking pictures of places where they might be, they might want to build a factory and work with. So we did kind of like, you know, paper type of a newspaper type of pictures for mm-hmm. that story, which ran in all over in Los Angeles times and the Pasadena star news and, and, you know, and, and, and also in Korea, because he's a, he's a Korean gentleman. His name is um, just a couple that's, that's why I'm, I will remember for a minute, but, um, um, so we, I did that, and then, but I was so, I, you know, I'm in Kabul, 
right? I got to take street pictures. You know, I got to do my James Carbone, you know, type of style pictures. You know, I, I was, you know, so when we weren't following him, Stephen Kwan, that's his name, um, from Pasadena area. Um, uh, when we were following Stephen Kwan around, we, you know, after that, I would go take, try to take some street pictures and pictures of life in Kabul. Your work is is really rooted in in sort of a long tradition of, of documentary photographers where there's a real concern for humanity. It's not just about making a good picture. For any photographer, they want to make a picture that is aesthetically pleasing. Um, but it seems like a lot of your work is really rooted in in a love and a concern for for people. Was that always sort of part of your your makeup, or did you find that as you develop as a photographer, the stuff that really resonated with you was the stuff that that involved a, a relationship with people to some extent? Absolutely. I mean, at first, I when I first taking pictures, you know, I was I wasn't really. I really didn't feel like I was connecting with my subjects as much, you know. And I think that's what why I felt like taking a class with Mary Ellen Mark, who's very much, you know, her pictures are very loving and, you know, they're really they're really great. And she taught me that. I mean, she made me strive for that type of photography, you know, connecting with my subjects and, you know, and um so I guess over the years that just kind of grew and cuz it takes time to learn and try that type of pictures taking those type of photos because you know you really need to connect with you know your subject and you have to i feel feel confident enough i think in yourself mm-hmm. to be able to feel have the other people feel confident about you what you're doing you know because a lot of people they get really annoyed like i don't want this guy taking my picture you know yeah. and i would get that a lot you know they would just say no you know so i try to develop different techniques and different habits and style to create those images but I, I must say i would have to credit mary ellen mark with that because she would say that to me over and over again when she would be editing my pictures you know i want to see you know how you feel about them you know that's what she would say yeah. how would you feel about your subjects tell me that show me that show me that in the show photograph. me that in the picture and i never you know that was the first time i you know that, uh, that i even thought about something like that it's like wow okay uh, you know so in you have to in order to feel some way, a certain way about someone, you know, you have to, I guess, be a certain kind of person. You know, you can't just. Tag. Well, you got to get a, you got to get your head out of the camera. Yeah. You can't be f- fixated on f stops and shutter speed right. and what's the lens. Right. You have to be so immersed in the moment right. that you allow that connection to to happen. Right. And until you get sort of the camera out of the way or out of your head. Moments like that, that embassy doesn't doesn't happen. I think that's a great exactly. insight to, to have. Exactly, that's a real gift. Oh, thank you. I mean, thank you. I, you know, I love people. You know, I always have. You know, as even as a young person, you know, I really like love meeting people and talking with people and just you know connecting with them. I really enjoyed that as as my whole life, of making friends, talking to strangers, and I just kind of just brought that to my photography. Yeah. Well, you talked about, you know, ed- editing with, 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 uh, at the workshop. So when you don't have the benefit of a workshop and a structure like that to sit down, produce work and edit, what are the resources that you use in your day to day when you're working to sort of help you with that? When we talked about Walt earlier, um, but you know, the deadlines are pretty strict there. They're looking for like, 
usually a singular image. So how do you keep yourself in that mode of being able to be as good an editor as someone else can be of your work yourself? And that's the biggest challenge any photographer has. But what what do you do to sort of maintain those skills? Because they're just as important as what you do when you press the button on the camera. That's an excellent question. And, you know, it was brutal. You know, when I first started the paper, I was like, I was so nervous, you know, because, you know, I would go out on assignment and I'd be like, oh, my God, you know, I I don't know which one to turn in. You know, like, (laughs) I like this one. I like this one. They're like, we need a picture now. You know what I mean? And you have to pick one. It was really difficult for me for many years to edit my own work. Um, I just didn't know how to start, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you're under under deadlines, clocks ticking. So I would say, I would guess, you know, after the years of working with Marilyn Mark again and watching her and, and also Walt Mancini and, you know, he would be at the paper. I would go there when he was there and I would ask him, so Walt, which ones do you like? You know, like, which pictures do you like? And he would, oh, this one, this one. And after time, I got more confidence again in myself to take to step back from my own work mm-hmm. and kind of pretend like this is not my work. If this was somebody else's work, right. which pictures I would like the most. So I learned that over time. But it, you know, I'd say as a photographer, one of the most difficult difficult parts is the editing, for sure. I mean, you have to be, you know, have that. You know, you have to learn how to step back. And pick out the ones that are good and ones that are not. Because I think a lot of photographers, they feel like, oh, this is the best one. This is what I think is the best one. Especially when you work for newspapers, you might think that's the best one. But you're working for a publication and you need to be a little bit compromise what you're going to turn in. Because it might be, you know, the picture that you might like best might not be um, best for the paper yeah. or for magazines. So you have to have both. And, you know, but um, I must say, though, it just took it took a lot of time and practice. But I mean, even today, I still have I struggle sometimes, but uh, I definitely have gotten better. I feel more confident, you know, when, you know, I, I can do it now. Yeah. You know. Well, the, 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 the community of photojournalists in Los Angeles, even though it's a big town, the community of photographers is fairly small. So everyone, at least in photojournalism circles, kind of knows each other or knows of the other person. And so you're oftentimes, you know, shooting the same things. So that gives rise to a certain certain level of competitiveness in terms of being able to go. Sure. I, I got I, I was there, but I got the great shot. So how does that sort of play in the mix in terms of pushing you a little harder, you know, to make the shot, even considering all the circumstances you have? Because, you, you know, you see somebody... Like uh, Gennaro Molina at the uh, LA Times is one of my favorite photographers yeah, there. And I look at his works and I look at the paper and I immediately know his work even before seeing the band line. And he produces some shots where I just go, how did he do it? And even though I'm not in those circles, it really puts the fire in me. Wow, I wonder if I can make a shot as good as, as Gennaro can. So, but for you, you're in the mix every day. So how does the work that these other photojournalists are producing on a daily basis sort of uh, inspire and push you? Just exactly that. You know, I also, you know, I look at through the LA Times and the Star News and all, you know, online and I get inspired by their work too. And I, when I, I feel like when I'm on an assignment that, um, you know, I just try to produce the best picture I can. And I try to create pictures on that same level as, you know, as LA Times photographers or anybody, you know, and I, I work, I work really hard and I try to, I do my, I just 
do my best at trying to create great images. And um, it's, it's tough. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy. There's a lot of competition and, um, you know, it's, it takes, takes a lot of hard work. So I just, just try to work really hard at it and just, you just shoot as much as I can and try different, you know, angles and, and lighting and, um, you know, and, um, it's, 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 it's not easy. It is not easy. It isn't. It's, it's a lot harder than it looks. Definitely. You've had a lot of experience doing this over the last, was it 10? For the, for the papers? Yeah. yeah, For 10 years, for sure. About 10 years. So certain things have come easier. Right. Um, but other things have likely have come a little harder. So we've talked a little bit in terms of how your experience has made things a little easier for you, but now what, what's harder? What's, what's, what are you finding is more of a, a challenge now? I mean, we talked about the business of photography, uh, business of photojournalism before we, we started recording, but in terms of the practice of making images, is there anything now that seems more of a challenge or harder? Well, I mean, I just think, you know, I guess, you know, the new, you know, like iPhones and how people are using those as a, as a tool now, you know, I think, that is probably maybe getting in the way of some, you know, uh, using, you know, a regular camera. And I think like we were talking earlier before a lot of papers are, you know, going that route of using, you know, your smartphone as a, a camera device. And I think that it's, that's the only thing that's right now I can say that's making things a little bit harder for me as a photographer in a sense that I got to compete with now with um, average people taking pictures of, um, you know, of incidences, you know, with their iPhones and the papers using those pictures, as opposed to me going to the, to the, to the scene mm. or whatever's going on and taking pictures with a regular camera and turning them in, um, you know, papers are leaning towards just, if you're there, you know, and you have your phone yeah. and you shoot what's going on, you know, and you call the paper and we'll use it. So that's, what's making things a little bit harder. I would say is that, but, um, it's just hard in general. You know, I think it's a really, really hard profession and, and, and there's less work now and, um, you know, and they want more when, you know, you're working, you know, they yeah. want more out of you for the same amount. So those two things I think have made it. So what, hard. what keeps you doing it? Cause that's, those are some difficult challenges yeah. that a lot of photojournalists are, are, are facing. You know, making a living out making of it. a living at it is probably the biggest one so why why do you stay stay in the game because a lot of people have pulled out and gone out and done other things what what keeps you you know waking up in the morning picking up your camera bag and going out there and 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 doing this day after day I love photography that's it I mean I breathe breathe it and eat it and everything I mean I just really really am passionate about photography and there's nothing else I want to do than be a photographer the rest of my life. And I'm really happy. I mean, I've been very happy that I've been able to do it. And I'm, I'm actually out there taking pictures and they're published in the paper and online every day. And I'm, for me, that's really exciting. And that's what really propels me to even work harder because I want to continue to do it forever. I want to try to try to be one of the best photojournalist there ever lived you know that's my goal i mean i would like to be in the level of the greats i just really really love photography i think it's a really beautiful art form and and it's and um you know it's, it's just it's just a really great i just love it I just yeah. love it. it's just great 
Well, my last question is I ask each guest to recommend another photographer for our listeners to, to discover and explore on their own. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or one you've recently discovered. So who would that photographer be and why? I would have to say Marilyn Mark. She is the greatest photographer that ever lived, I really feel. And she is, her pictures are so inspiring. And her body of work is incredible. And I feel that everyone should, you know, if they don't know of her, should learn about her. Because uh, she just, you know, she is so, you know, she has, she makes such great portraits to, you know, her street photography. And she's just a great person. And I'm very fortunate to know her and work with her. And I'm not being biased either. You know, I'm not, you know, I would, there's anybody I would say Marilyn is number one. I have other favorites, but I mean, even if I didn't know her, I would probably, I would say the same. Yeah. Because um, she's, you know, right now, you know, she broke her arm. Oh, did she? She broke her arm. And she's in Iceland right now with her arm in a sling teaching a workshop for 14 days. And oh. she is doing it. I don't think most people would probably cancel, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She's not like that. You know, she'll put her arm in a sling and she'll go for it. And that's what... That's what's that's inspiring, that you're not going to be stopped by a broken arm or anything. You're just going to keep on going, and you know, and and um, feel very fortunate that I've you know, been able to you know learn that from Mary Ellen, and and that's why I think she's you know she is definitely a photographer that you know is she's she's the greatest. She's, she's one of the best. So where can people go to find out more about you and your work? They can go to www.jamescarbone.com. Um, and my information's there and um, take a look. All right, James. Thank, thank you, you so much, thank man. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us for another episode. If you like what you're hearing, you can support this show in a variety of ways. You can donate any amount using PayPal. A link can be found on the Candid Frame website. Also, if you click on our affiliate links and make purchases through Amazon B&H or Adorama, you can also help us to continue to produce the best interview show on photography. The Candid Frames audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music is available through incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.